Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 94 of How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron, and I am so pleased you're here with me. Today, we have Lisa Renee Hall on the show, and you guys... She is one of those really inspiring people to listen to. Um, I get great, incredible guests on the show, uh, but sometimes there are just some that blow you right out of the water, and Lisa is one of those. You are going to love listening to her. I did join her Patreon, and I'm adoring it. I love her voice. I love what she talks about. Um, I'm her newest, biggest fan, so you're going to love it just like I did. And a little update of what's going on around here. Um, well, speaking of Patreon, you know, I have one patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L. No new pledges to report this week, but I wanted to thank you all of you who are already supporting me with a very, very full and grateful heart. Um, and I have a strange question for you. I'm considering doing a Patreon pledge drive, uh, which for me would look like this. Um, basically I would, you know, I asked people to join my Patreon when it first started. I mentioned it here on the show. Um, but this would be another ask because basically it's funding for the arts, just like your like local, um, NPR station, your local public radio or public television. So I was thinking about doing a tiny little pledge drive and, and all that would be is me talking about it a little bit more and giving away something to the people who are already subscribed and to new subscribers that they might like. And I don't know what to give. So I'm coming to you, my listeners, with this question. What do you think? Um, I was thinking a short story or uh, an essay, although I'm already writing essays for the Patreon campaign itself, but it could be an essay on something different, um, something not creativity. It could be a backstory in my life. It could be um, a creative nonfiction memoir kind of thing. It could be a tool. Um, I could do another PDF. I already have the uh, stop stalling and get your writing done one that I deliver free if you join my email uh, newsletter at rachelheron.com slash write. But I could do another one of those. But I don't also want to just... Um, approach writers because I really do talk about creativity in those essays in all of its forms. And I talk about the way we live uh, and the way we kind of synthesize our life with our brains and our time. So I don't want to narrow it exactly just to writers. So if you have any ideas about what you would want to see from me, what would make you pledge a dollar a month to me? What would make you happy to get in return? I would seriously love to hear some ideas. I'll read them on the air. Uh, you can hit me at Twitter, at Facebook, um, or at Rachel at rachelheron.com. Um, so yeah, please let me know. That would be fantastic. And speaking of Patreon, I gotta say, this is exciting this week. I think I've cracked dictation again. I know that I've said this before, um, but this time I think I really have it. I did write one whole book once with dictation, uh, just using speaking into um, Dragon for the Mac, which sucked. Dragon for the Mac was really, really bad then. It's gotten better. And this is why 
I've got a new method. For a while there, I was doing this thing where I would speak into my phone and record on my phone and then send that wave file to the very cheap $100 PC computer that I bought just for that task because Dragon for PC was better. And then I would transcribe it on the PC and then send it to my Mac and include it in my working document. You can see that that was kludgy and irritating. And also the crappy computer that I bought um, turned out to be a crappy computer. I think my friend Chloe bought the same computer because I did. So I apologize for that. It has like no memory. It's an HP, but it has no memory. So every time I open it, it says, I don't have memory to run the one program you have put on there. I've never done anything else on this computer except put Dragon on it. So that was really frustrating. And I haven't been using Dictation because of that. But then my friend Marley's um, over in my Slack channel, uh, which you can join if you'd like to, rachelheron.com slash Slack. Um, join us. It's fun. Uh, Marley said that Dragon for Mac has gotten better and that the transcription was working. They didn't used to have transcription for Dragon for Mac. And that changed everything for me. So um, I re-upped my Dragon for Mac. I upgraded from my older older system. And it's been working. I use my phone. I use an app for the Android called Easy Voice. Um, it might be Easy Voice Recorder. I can't quite tell. But Easy Voice, I think it's the paid upgrade. Maybe like 2 bucks 99 something like that. Um and I record into it. And here's the thing that changed. This is what I think has made everything better for me because I've been writing this Patreon essay using the system and suddenly the words are coming out way more accurately. And yes, I've read Taming the Dragon and all those things and what everybody says about getting a good mic. Uh, they're true. I got a uh, gaming headset. So if you're watching online, um, this is called a Game Series Game One Open Acoustic Gaming Headset. Um, I got it because it was directly, um, people said on it that they got it for dictation and that they liked it for dictation and it wasn't that expensive. So I got it and tried it and it works. So this afternoon I was out in the hammock, which is my happy place. I had that <laughs> silly looking headset on just plugged into my phone. It doesn't require batteries or anything like that. You just got to plug it in to whatever you're recording on. And Dragon was able to just transcribe the 2,400 words I caught this afternoon. Um, so it's fabulous. I'm super, super happy. So I wanted to share that with you because I really do think that dictation is one of the ways of the future for us. It is definitely a way of the future for me. I need to protect these hands. Um, I can type really fast, but when I type really fast for a long time, my hands get tired and we want to protect ourselves from things like RSI, all of those things. This is why I do yoga. This is why I'm thinking about these things because I want to have this job for a really long time. I think about retiring when I'm about 70, but in my head, I also think I never want to retire. I want to keep writing as long as I can do this gig. So I wanted to share that with you. Everything else is well around here. Um, and let's just jump. I have a little bit of a sore throat that I've been fighting all week. So let's just jump right into the interview with Lisa Renee Hall. You will enjoy it. Please get some writing done and tell me all about it. And hey, tell me what you would like 
in a Patreon pledge drive. And um, maybe I will provide it. So thanks for listening, y'all. It means everything to me. Okay, bye. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my Stop Stalling and Write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Okay, well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome Lisa Renee Hall to the show. Hi, Lisa. Hi there, Rachel. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled to have you. Let me give you a little introduction. Lisa Renee Hall is an author, facilitator, social historian, and creative word artist. After writing half a million words over 365 consecutive days, uh, Lisa helps spiritual leaders use the art of self-inquiry to question their unconscious biases so they create truly inclusive communities, companies, and corporations. Lisa is on the advisory committee for Awarepreneurs, and her tips have been featured in American Express, Open, Globe and Mail, and Inc. Magazine, along with television, radio, and podcast appearances. Plus, you just have a bunch of books out, too. About. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, oh. and that's where I ran into you was, um, because this year I have gotten back into, um, journaling every morning in the whole mm, morning yes. pages, artist way kind of free form. Yes. And, and you kind of refound passion for writing that way. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Can you, yeah. tell, can you tell us a little bit about what happened then? Yeah, I, uh, Let's see. I had, um, I play the organ at funerals and I think I've played a, at least 150 funerals over <sighs> three years. Yeah. So, um, people love their hymns yeah. at funerals. Oh, I love my love hymns it. at funerals. <laughs> yes. So I play, so I, I get invited to play the organ. And so I'm like a pat, like I'm a passive observer because I play the songs and then I get to hear the stories of the yeah. dearly departed. So I was listening, and so I played a funeral at a at a uh, the youngest. I think he was 21 years old. He was murdered, uh, and he was a good Samaritan, and he got caught up, and yeah. yeah. And then I, the oldest was probably in their 80s, and so I listened to the stories of the dearly departed, and you know whether it's oh we loved Grandma's banana bread, she was such a great banana, or whether it's like oh he was a great rapper. You know, he had a great career coming up. I asked myself, is this the story that the dearly departed would have told of themselves? I love that. And what is the story that I want to be told of me? How can I control my narrative so that when I pass away, my voice is still heard? Mm. Not in a creepy way, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. You know, not a creep. So that was the catalyst for me to write my first work of fiction. And the catalyst, and I said to myself, okay, okay, because, you know, as writers, we're like, okay, you know, I'm going to get this writing done, and then three days go by, and it's still that time. <laughs> so, Story of my life. <laughs> so I said, what would be the best thing for me to do? And I thought, let me let me just get myself up early, 4.30 a.m., force myself out of bed, and let's get this thing done. And that's what I did, January 3rd, 2017, after writing seven books, seven, so some of them are up there, seven books. And it was like, you know, those books have all been, a you know, a writing feat of strength where I'd sit down for three weeks and pump out 50,000 words. And they were nonfiction. Let's, let's clarify. And they were nonfiction, yeah. right? So I said to myself, what can I do differently? Well, maybe if I write one chapter a day, 
in the earliest point of the day when I'm most creative, then I'll get this work done. And it was so hard, Rachel. It was so hard. <laughs> that first morning. Oh, so lots of coffee. I, I wasn't a coffee drinker, but lots of coffee. And I was able to do And then on day two, I did the same thing. Woke up at 4.30 a.m. to write. And I did that for 59 straight days, writing one chapter oh my every morning gosh. at 4.30 a.m., even on the weekends. <sighs> even on the weekends. And then what happened to you? And then I had a professional setback that had been on my mind for a few days. And so on that 60th morning, I got up and I said, maybe I should write about this. And so I wrote, I just wrote everything that was on my mind about this, this setback. And then on the 61st morning, I did the same thing again. I wrote about, you know, I, I hadn't cleaned, I guess, my internal palette. So I kept writing and I kept writing every morning expressively. And I didn't know it was a thing, but that's what I did. I just woke up at 4.30 a.m. and just got, ah, got it all out. And I felt better. And so little did I know, Rachel, that I wasn't, call to write about these characters in this fiction book i was actually called to write the character of lisa and i love that so much and i and i'm i'm trying to remember when exactly i ran across this but it was right about the time because of and my listeners have heard me say this but about three months into journaling at the the beginning of this year um my journal led me to the realization that i was an alcoholic and now I am in recovery and four months sober and never been happier. But I would not have found that had I not been doing that expressive writing every morning. Yeah. And, and so this is what Julia Cameron, which yes. every writer, like she is like She's, our muse. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what she calls the morning pages. And in the yes. green room, you mentioned, you made mention of that. And so I picked up her book on the recommendation on another writer and I was like, oh, my goodness, what I'm doing is a thing. Getting up early in the morning to write, it's a thing. You found it organically. I found it organically. <laughs> but she talks about using the morning just to write and not to share those writings with anyone. Oh, yeah. Just to get everything out so that you clean the palette, so you get all the gunk out, you get all the complaints out. And then once the rest of the day unfolds, now you're able to tackle it with courage and bravery and... and um yeah. How did you feel? Because I'm such a I'm such a product oriented person. I yes. I barrel through process in order to get product, and I always have done. Yes. Um, how did you feel after that? You know, on that 60th day when you were essentially abandoning those hist those, those those fictional characters. Was there a sense of guilt or no? I and no, there wasn't. And interesting, it was a sense of freedom, and because. As I was writing the characters in the book, some of them didn't make sense to me. I was like, what, what's your issue? Like, I don't understand. And so some of the characters are really understood. And there was at least, I don't know, about 50 characters in this book because it was a historical fiction. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So some of them were minor, but the major ones, yeah. some of them, I was like, okay, so I get you. I understand you. But you, I don't get you. And I had to change the plot a few times in order to fit her in. And little did I realize was that these characters were a reflection of me not getting me. That's amazing. Yeah. So the expressive writing helped me 
to understand me a little bit more. Now, I still haven't gone back to writing the historical fiction, let me just be honest here. But it did its job. But it did its job. It did a huge job. And perhaps you'll go back to it. And perhaps you won't. But you came out with a whole different Lisa because of this. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. And so you discovering that you're an alcoholic. And that's a lifelong issue that you now have to grapple with. What I discovered about myself was the unhealed trauma around being what everyone else wanted me to be. Mm. And so sitting there and using expressive writing to explore my identity for the first and giving myself permission just to explore who Lisa is. What were the dreams that Lisa had? And, and also writing, uh, two memoirs where one of them focused on my 15 years working in a white male dominated field as yes. a black female with a liberal arts degree. And you were in the computer field, right? Coding and startup and dot com. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I realized writing that memoir that I was uh, a scrappy, scrappy woman who kind of bulldozed over people because I wanted to hide my secret, the secret of having a liberal arts degree in a technology field. It is shameful. It's so shameful. (laughs) That's my shameful secret. <laughs> I had to hide it. And anyone that I felt was sabotaging my presence in tech, I just, I, I went around them, above them, below them. And I looked at my memoir, Rachel, and I said, wow, you are a scrappy kid. What but, a lovely place to land, too. What a lovely place to land. Yes, it is. And it, it helped inform why I made the choices I did, the decisions I did. But it was also an element of healing as well, because then I could see from the other point of view why some treated me the way that they did. Mm. And so it gave me what um, this historian by the name of E.H. Carr calls imaginative understanding, Mm. where I'm not complicit in their behavior, but now I can kind of see, okay, oh, that's why he treated me that way seeing Lisa through that person's eyes. What was the other memoir about? The other memoir was about, well, my, my year of writing, my year of writing at Fourth. Oh, that's Radio. right. And, and I knew that. And I knew that. And are you still <laughs> doing that? I am. Yes. Still at 4.30? Well, in the summer months, I shifted to 5.30. So I sleep in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, I used to have a job that I needed to be at at six in the morning. And it was a 12 hour job and it took an hour to get there and an hour back. And I would get oh. up at like 345 in order to be at the desk oh. by four. But oh. I remember, and I only did that a couple of years, but I, but I remember that how hard it was with anything <laughs> with a four in it is just impossible, but also how rewarding it is because there is just nothing else happening at that hour. Nothing else. Just nothing you else. And the page. Just me, me, my soul and the divine. There's nothing else. Like my only audience is the moon and the stars. The moon and the sun as it chases each other in the sky. Because when you wake up at that time of the morning, the sun is peeking up and the moon is still there. And it's like watching this dance. And of course, depending on the time of year, the sunrise shifts. So in January, February, being in the northern hemisphere, it's at one point in the sky. But then in the summer, I can't really see the sunrise, but I see evidence that it's coming. Isn't that because neat? Because 
It's so wonderful. I think it's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. I love talking to you already. This is (laughs) so fabulous. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? My biggest challenge, oh, revising my own words. Mm. That's the biggest challenge. Because I write expressively, Mm -hmm. I I would say about 90% of my expressive writing has never been shared, shown, published. And so for the 10% that is, I have to look back and say, okay, now I have to revise it because I wrote this in a fit of fury or a fit of happiness or, you know, just typing without looking back. Yeah. And that's my, my preferred method is keyboard and screen because I'm like, ah, me type too. It all out. Me too. Yes. Yes. And occasionally I'll use paper and pen. I actually created my own font. One for one of those free <gasps> font creators. So it, it, and I only use it in my online journal in the morning and, uh, not online, uh, on the on screen journal in the morning. And so it shows up in my handwriting. It feels good. It feels I great. Love that idea. I'll send you the link for the, um, the font please, creator. Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> Please do. Like, I can't believe this is awesome. Okay, so go on. So revision. (laughs) Yeah, so revision. So revising my own work, I find is so frustrating. It's so frustrating. It takes me all, like, that's where I procrastinate. Getting the words out isn't a problem. Now that I've done uh, 365 days, well, now more than that, but 365 consecutive days at 4.30 a.m., half a million words, it, you know, I am not devoid of content. So I never experience, <laughs> I never experience writer's block anymore. Yeah. However, it's going back through my writings to revise it and give it structure. And, you know, my, my INFP self hates that. Yeah. 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 Uh, what, what is your biggest joy then in writing? My biggest joy is watching how people contort themselves to try to interpret what I've written. How so? So because of the process I go through, I will write something, blah, there it is. Like it's like a verbal vomit. Mm -hmm. And then I let it simmer and sit, which doesn't sound entirely enticing. (laughs) With the vomit. I just called it vomit (laughs) and now I'm saying it's sitting. So, (laughs) But it's kind of, it works, it works. (laughs) And then suddenly it starts to smell better. And so then I will go back to that writing. I look at it, revise it. And so the revision process may take me three or four days to do. And then finally I'll publish it either on my blog, in my exclusive community on Patreon, or on Facebook. Facebook is where I get the most confusion. Most people get my writings. And then there's one or two who want me to provide interpretations of what I wrote. (laughs) And I never there, interpret my There own are writings. always those people. There's always yeah. those people. And I know they're coming in with their own baggage. Yeah. That I know. For sure. They're, they're reading it through their lens. But for some, because I am a black woman and because I write on topics surrounding identity, unconscious biases, a skin color, oftentimes what they'll do is they'll read anger into my words mm. so that they ignore my pain. Yes. So I could write, Rachel, I could write, I could say, I could look out my my window, which is right there. You can't see it, but it's right there. There's a big tree. There's a bunch of trees out there. It's a beautiful scenery. And I can look up into the sky and say, and and then type into Facebook. I'll say, wow, the clouds are exceptionally fluffy and white today. (laughs) 
And, you know, some people say, yes, you know, I'm looking out my window and I'm seeing the same thing too. And then someone will inevitably write, oh, what's your problem with the clouds? Oh, white fragility. (laughs) And someone else will come along and say, leave color out of it. Oh. So how do you handle that? I watch because I know that I tend not to get involved in that because, you know, I'm not, you know, my writings aren't the Bible and it doesn't need 10,000 interpretations over 10,000 years by 10,000 people (laughs) to be heard and understood. So I watch, I tend to watch, and I know that you asked me about the joy and it might not sound like it's joyful watching what's happening to my words, but what I find joy in is that for those who understand me and understand my purpose, they're the ones who tend to come in to defend my words. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch. That's wonderful. I, I am going to be paying attention to your Facebook page so I can enjoy watching that too. (laughs) Yeah. It's so lovely. And so, yeah. So I, I, that's the joy I find is when I release those words and for the one or two people who are confused and are reading their own interpretation into it to see my people show up. And every once in a while, sometimes I feel completely hopeless um, about a lot of things, including race, gender, politics, and I, and I'm queer. And, um, and I always think that, well, no one's mind can be changed. And I've seen that happen in my own community where my people will come and say something and people's lives are changed. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of those people will come to your page and speak and they're not changing, but sometimes change does happen. So, yes. and you're, and that, you're facilitating that. And that's the beauty of the writings is that although I know that I can't change everyone and some, and Facebook isn't the place to change decades of programming that <laughs> someone's bringing to the table for the one or two who are changed and inspired. And, and for the one or two, I've had someone join my exclusive community on Patreon. And she said, you know, Lisa, I've been following your work for a few weeks and I've been triggered every time. Triggered, angry. <laughs> but then she took my advice and she did some expressive writing and then had the courage to join my exclusive community. And she said, I'm here because I finally sat with what was triggering me. I sat with why I was getting angry at your words. And I'm here because I want to be better. And that's a person using her brain and soul to yes be open and to listen. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. I absolutely love that. So that's one soul that. recognizing another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you give us a quick craft tip of any sort about writing on any level? I thought about, yeah, this question stumps me in a way. But then I go back to expressive writing. That <laughs> may be your I, tip. I, I, that's an that excellent tip. tip. Yeah. Is it, I'm an INFP, so that's the Meyer Briggs, and uh, that's intuitive, uh, introverted feeling, feeling yeah, introverted and perceptive. Feeling that's and right. perceptive, right? So some people they see my my uh, writing expressively every morning, four thirty a.m., and they think that I'm an INFJ, right? But I tell them that the P in the INFP betrays me every time. 
because the perceptional part of me wants the spontaneity, the improvis- improvisation. Is that the word? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I desire having that little bit of spontaneity. So what ends up happening for me is at 4.30 a.m. I get up and I'm not sure what I'm going to write. So even though the structure exists, mm. there's spontaneity within it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not until I sit down at my computer that I say, ah, this is what I'm going to write about. So that's the spontaneity. So two pieces of advice is if you're finding that you're stuck writing, I would invite you to start your day with expressive writing instead. Write what's ever on your mind. Don't filter yourself. Don't censor yourself. Don't even edit your words. Just write and write. Challenge yourself to see how many words you can type in 20 minutes. It's a lot. It's a lot. It adds up. It adds up. Yeah. Absolutely. So that would be my first tip. Just clean the palette through expressive writing and then handle your um, writing deadlines after that. Great. The second tip, and I had just mentioned it before, and now I've forgotten. It's escaped my mind. Unfiltered, uncentered. I can't remember. It'll come back to but us as we talk. It will come back. Yeah. Okay. But definitely expressive writing would be the tip that I would provide as I- to how to... I've started doing something that's been helping me to, um, that most of my stuff that I write in the morning and that in that time is never going to be seen by anybody else. But every once in a while, I'll have an idea that I think, oh, this is big enough. I need to come back and explore and unpack it and, and write about it memoir style. And I'll put that in a different font color so that I can just scroll back and see it. Cause otherwise it's just a lot of so much. Don't forget to buy the cat food. And I'm really stressed (laughs) out about what. She said yesterday, you know, so yeah, yeah, that's so oh, much. Yes. You have more of it than I do. I have a lot of freeform garbage in my. Yes. Well, what's funny is that with my freeform stuff, I actually have a spreadsheet that I keep where I itemize what I wrote that morning. Really? Yeah. So I, I do that because to sit here and think, okay, uh, I think in June of 2017, I wrote this, I think. And I have to read through every word. Oh, my goodness, that would drive me nuts. So what I do is every 10 days or so, I go through my writings and I look and I say, okay, what are the main topics that I explored? And I put in the spreadsheet. And that way, I can open the spreadsheet, click in the search term, and boom, it finds the day. (laughs) That is genius. (laughs) So that's the other tip. I'm going to start doing that. That is genius. Yes. Okay. So that, um, yeah. Yeah, So that helps. I've only been doing this, you know, for six months now. And, uh, and I'm already like almost 80,000 words. Just, it's just, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a book. It's, it's not a book. It would never be a book. No, no, but, but, <laughs> but it's book length. It's book length. <laughs> God forbid it be a book. When you have self doubt or dark days about writing as a profession and a career, what do you do about that? Well, I remind myself around why am I doing this? And I know it, this is going to sound morbid, but I one of morbid. the, oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I've, I've fallen in love with morbid because too. when, when, when I was young, I used, my parents used to get a newspaper uh, delivered. Like that doesn't happen anymore, but there was a column in the paper. It was um, written by a columnist by the name of Max Hines. And what he did is he covered crimes from history. And it was the only, like, I would go for the paper and I'd rip out his column because my mother didn't want me to read it. (laughs) 
So here I am, 12 or 13 years old. I didn't go for the comics. <laughs> I went for the, for the crime. For the gore. Column. Yeah, for the gore. <laughs> and so the gore, though, helps us to dig deep and confront our shadow, confront what's holding us back. And that's what I love about uh the dark days. I love the dark days because the dark days tells me that something needs to be explored. And once I explore that, it will bring me to light because the opposite of chaos isn't order. The opposite of chaos is light. So the darkness is chaos. The darkness is self doubt. This it's anger. My friend is anger. So when I'm angry, I'm just like, okay, why is this happening? And so I use expressive writing. I explore and then it sheds light on why that chaos is there. I ask this question on every podcast, and I think I've been just waiting for that answer. And I've never had that answer. And thank you for that. That's pretty mind blowing. Yes. And, and the whole and, and the whole idea, the reason why I do this is because I want to die empty. Have you read that book? Um, by, I read that book. Isn't it Todd great? Henry. Die, yeah, Todd Henry, Die Empty. I love Best thing it. Ever. Oh. I like, I honestly like thinking about death in turn. You know, I don't, I don't morbidly. No, know, no. But, but it's, <laughs> I like knowing it's there that it could happen. And I yes. like examining my life against, like you said, what, what are we leaving? What's the story? What's the narrative yes. that we want people to tell? Yes. And my narrative and it, includes talking to people like you about this exact yes. thing. Yes. And so the concept of dying empty is to spend your time emptying yourself of your best work, yes. whatever that may be. Because Todd Henry asked the question, what's the most valuable real estate in the world? And people will say um, oil oil fields or uh, what's another one? Um, Montecito Homes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Real estate. And he said, no, the most valuable real estate in the world are graveyards. Because each grave represents a book that wasn't published, a song that wasn't composed, a play that wasn't written. And when I, I was just like, I was blown away, Rachel, by that analogy. And I said, this, from this point forward, and which is my motivation to get up on even those dark days, those days I'm feeling really heavy, to get up at 4.30 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. in the summer and write expressively. Ugh. It's because I have a strong desire to die empty. Whatever I can't publish in my lifetime, I want to leave for my descendants to carry on the work. It correlates strongly, too, with the Annie Dillard quote, um, and I'll butcher it, but it's something like, <laughs> you know, spend it all, play it all. Don't save, don't save your best ideas. And her concept is, and I've seen this to be true over and over again. Um, I always, I always teach people who are like, well, I've got this great idea for a book and I'm waiting till I get good enough to write it. No, because write your best idea now. Use all your best work because it backfills with even better stuff than you, that, than you could have ever predicted would come. So we must get rid of the best stuff we have so that more can fill in, right? You know, Christopher, along those lines, Christopher Nolan, who produced um, the Batman series and mm -hmm. a few other, like every movie that's my favorite, I find out that he's the one behind <laughs> it. <laughs> he wrote the script for Inception, mm. and that's the film starring um, my favorite guy, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, great movie. It, it, like, I've, oh, I've had to watch that yeah. like 5,000 times. But he wrote the script for Inception. 
and then went on to write more, but he put it aside because he said, you know, the concept is like, bull. So he wanted to gain experience on other scripts before presenting that one. 10 years, 10 years and many movies later, he finally presented his inception to his, um, you know, whoever makes the decisions mm-hmm. to make films. And it became one of the, uh, the best movies but ever. But he didn't wait to write it. He didn't hold but it he in didn't his wait brain. To write it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it wouldn't have been written. I, I fully believe that if he'd waited 10 years too. to write it, it would have yes. just gone away, that idea. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Ugh. What is the best book you've read recently and why did you love it? Oh, oh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Okay. So I have three. Ooh, yay. So this one. I know my screen is backwards, but it's um, 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. Oh, I want to read that. So that's by Jaron Lanier. It's French, Lanier, but I don't think he says Lanier. I am going to get that book. I'm always on the verge of deleting things. Although I've got to keep the Facebook for business. Right, exactly. And as writers, it's a welcomed and terrible distraction. And it lends in nicely to these two books. One is called Silence in the Age of Noise by Erling Kegg. Oh, I've heard of that. Okay, great. Wonderful book. He talks about being bored. You need to be bored in order for your best work to come out. Boy, do I hate to be bored. Oh, I'll do anything (laughs) to avoid. Yeah, we all do. Yes, and he writes about that. Uh, And then this one is um, The Sovereignty of Quiet by Kevin Quashy. What a beautiful cover, too. Yes. And so he talks, they both talk about silence, both Erling and Kevin talk about silence in their Mm. book. But uh, Kevin talks about it from the standpoint of blackness. Mm. And he says that blackness is seen as loud and expressive and boisterous, and always talking about race. But he offers in this book that blackness is also quiet. It is, um, which doesn't mean motionless, it just means quietness meaning that you can go internally into your internal wilderness and and to be able to think and process internally without the gaze the white gaze or the audience looking on so i just i just love this book that sounds gorgeous quiet is a metaphor for the interior and um uh quiet and silence yeah and it's all about surrendering to your uh, surrendering to the wildness of one's inner life. That, those are excellent uh, recommendations. I'm going to head awesome over to books. the library immediately and order them. And that's where I always go first. So let yeah, me I go you. first there. And then, do you know about, do you know about the extension, the Chrome extension? No. Okay. If you use Chrome as your browser, I do. when you go I to do. Amazon, if you've in, if you've installed the library extension, I think it's just called library extension, where the price usually pops up, it'll show if your local library has it in either ebook version or print version, and then below it will be the price so you can buy it. So, and then it'll tell you they have 12 copies, they have two copies. It's life changing. <laughs> I'm still gonna, all, I'm gonna, I'm so gonna do this after we get off. This, so this well, now I would love you to tell us where we can find you, tell us about your most recent book, um, tell us where we can stalk you as we're all going to do now very, in a very, very, very friendly way, not a scary way. <laughs> of course, not in a scary way. So I have an exclusive community on Patreon called, um, well, it's it's not called anything. It's um, where I what, I, what I do in that community is I offer every Friday expressive writing prompts to help those in my community to unpack whiteness, to unpack their unconscious biases. 
And so these are the same writing prompts I used during my year of writing. Mm. Once I moved from writing a book of fiction into uh, writing to heal and then writing as activism and writing to explore Lisa. So I delivered those every Friday in the exclusive community. And I just love the breakthroughs that have been happening. Most of the people in the community are introverts. They want to do something, but you know, the whole idea of going out there and marching on the streets is just like, uh, it just feels draining. It's exhausting. And so the idea of using writing mm. to explore internally, to question those unconscious biases, we're seeing so much of that in the media right now and in the news about how unconscious biases uh, tend to pop up, mm-hmm. that you believe one thing, you value, you, you say that all of us, we're the same, we're all humans, are all the same, but then you notice some racism or sexism or homophobia co- creeping into your language and it becomes a, you know, whoa, where does this come from? So in my exclusive community, those expressive writing prompts help my patrons to write through their unconscious biases at using the, those questions as a guide. At the moment you are getting the Chrome extension for the library extension, I'm going to be joining your Patreon community. Can you tell me where it is? Patreon.com slash Lisa Renee Hall. Okay, your name. Perfect. Yes. And there um Lisa, Lisa is L E E S A for those of you listening. Yes, absolutely. Um, and tell us more about your last book or your website, whatever you'd like. Or your Facebook page also. Yeah, so um, every Tuesday and Thursday, I do a Facebook Live on Facebook where I talk about topics, challenging topics that are happening. What I tend to do is see what's happening in the news and then talk about the macro or the, you know, the bigger issue that's at play. So when you're in my um, exclusive community or if you happen to go there, you'll see information on that. But uh, one thing I do want to mention is that by being in my exclusive community, you're investing not only in getting the writing prompts, but also in the bigger vision, which is a uh, which is my producing my first documentary on the story of white fragility. Yes, I'm in. I'm in. I would (laughs) like to support you in this. I would like to give you some money. (laughs) Thank you. So it's it's been uh, that. Producing a documentary has been a dream of mine for about 10 years, and it was during my year of writing where the idea finally, finally got the idea of what I'm going to explore. So I'm going to be looking at the story of white fragility, and while we wait for the production of that film to come into it, I told my patrons I would love for it to be nominated for an Oscar, and then we have an Oscar party, win or lose, we have an Oscar party wherever, Hollywood, wherever, and we all fly in. And that's my long-term vision for this documentary. So I, when you join, I abs- getting the expressive. Yeah. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to be part of that. Well, Perfect. And your website is? It's, um, again, go to patreon.com slash Lisa Renee Hall. Okay, perfect. And you, and you have a personal website too, Lisa, Lisa Renee Hall. Dot com. Com. Yes. Easy, easy, easy. Yes. Are easy. you on Twitter as well? Yeah, all... I go Lisa Renee Hall, just plug that in and there I am. This has been a true pleasure to spend this time with you. Thank you so much for agreeing. I know you are one busy woman and the fact that you spent this time with me means everything. So thank you. Thank you, Rachel, for making it so much fun. (laughs) Okay. We'll be in contact shortly and happy writing to you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? 
You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>